Um, the first reading I want to bring to you um, this evening is from the first book of Samuel, chapter 4. And it's from verses 1 to 4, and then verses 10 and 11. So, 1 Samuel 4. Now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer and the Philistines at Aphek. The Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel. And as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. When the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, why did the Lord bring defeat upon us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from Shiloh so that it may go with us and save us from the hands of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty who is enthroned between the cherubim, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Verse 10. So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The Ark of God was captured and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. So first, the bad news. We find at the beginning of chapter 4 that the Israelites have been defeated by the Philistines in battle with a loss of about 4,000 soldiers. And as they returned back to the camp, the elders of the Israelites asked the question, why did the Lord bring defeat upon us today? A good question to ask. But they did not seek God for the answer. They did not cry out to God. They did not humble themselves before God. Instead, they made the decision themselves to bring the Ark of the Covenant from Shiloh, which is where it resided under Eli as the priest and they said to themselves so that it may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. No doubt as they said this they look back to former times, look back to how the ark was amongst the people as God led them through the wilderness, look back to how it was taken down, the ark was taken down into the Jordan River so that the people could cross on dry line, land. And especially, they were thinking back to, to how it was previously taken into battle. Most famously, how the ark was carried around the walls of Jericho until those walls collapsed. And the elders looked back and they thought, that's the answer. We need the ark. We need the ark of the covenant. It will give us victory it will be the answer. The problem is they weren't looking to God. They were looking to the ark 
of the covenant for the answer to their problems. They saw the Ark of the Covenant as a talisman and they put their trust in an it. As we look at our own church congregations or in the towns or villages where we live or local fellowships, do we sometimes look around and see people? I know I've seen it here in Congleton, see people leaving the church. There's a certain feeling of maybe disillusionment or despondency, of defeat even, and things aren't quite as they should be, and they're definitely not as they were. And there can be a tendency within a church to turn to an it, an it to improve things. Now, the things we come up with to, um, could be really good ideas. I'm not knocking the, them as ideas. There's probably nothing wrong with them at all. But are we ending up hoping and relying on doing these things to save us from loss of congregation, from the defeat that we're having in our churches? And some of the very things we say we are doing in our churches for the Lord can be the very things that take the Lord's place in our churches, in our fellowships, and ultimately in our lives. And as I was thinking about this on a personal level, many of you know that I'm much involved with the Congleton Bible Week here. And I think when I come when it comes to is the Congleton Bible Week taking centre point in my life for those le weeks leading up. It's important. It takes a lot of time. But is that central rather than the Lord? And I've got to, I had to come to the Lord and confess that was the truth. Maybe perhaps we have a tendency to look back to our churches of old and in doing so have thought if only we did things like they did back then that everything will be good again we have good remember it, it is good to remember the past and to think of how things were but do we look back look back to those times of if only we had those times now things would be great at the end of my road, if I go right just to the end of my road, I can see Malcop. It's on the border between Staffordshire and Cheshire, where I live in Cheshire. And there at Malcop is where the primitive Methodist movement started, the primitive Methodist churches. And it started with big camp meetings all over the hillside. And people came from around the, the, the rural and mining villages and then from the, from the larger towns in the cities of Stoke-on-Trent, also from Congleton and Macclesfield, and they walked there to hear the word of the Lord proclaim, and the Lord was working in people's lives in those days. This is over 200 years ago. The Lord was working in people's lives. People were returning to the Lord. People were turning to the Lord for the first time. And we can look back at it and say, yes, yes, that's what we need to do. 
we need to start camp meetings. Let's go and do some camp meetings. And it becomes an itilist. And it comes, and it might seem like a very good idea, but the underlying problem is that the Lord is not at the centre. The Lord isn't at the, necessarily at the centre of it all. And we're just looking back. We're just looking back and we're not looking to the Lord. And whilst the it we are pinning our hope on can end up being a burden to us. A burden. Yeah. On an individual level, do we find that there is maybe spiritual dryness? You've gone through times of spiritual dryness or coldness in your hearts and think we can feel we need to do something about the emptiness so we can run after experiences. Now going to the next big Christian event, the next big thing. And now I'm not knocking this, I, it's great. It's great that they have these big Christian events, whatever they are, but do we run after them to try to fill our hearts with some kind of joy, with some kind of peace, and to give us a little boost? I don't, I don't deny it. They could give us a couple of bo a boost for a couple of days and then it all fl falls flat again. And we feel as defeated as ever because all along the problem is we've lost sight of the Lord. And sometimes we realise that, that the source of our emptiness, the source of our failings is unconfessed sin in our lives. And we might well know that really we need to repent. We know it. Yet we'll try all sorts of things to get right with the Lord in our own strength. Rather than humbling, confessing our sins to him. You see, I know I hate to admit that I'm wrong. And I hate to admit that I'm wrong to the Lord. Never mind to anybody else. And we, we're looking to do to do something, to try to get right with the Lord in our own strength, to try to make everything right again. And it just doesn't work. It becomes nothing more than an it to us. And an it can never save you. And in fact, in some respects, an it, if it's the very wrong it, can make things worse. It can lead from defeat to defeat, and verse 10 we find, and the slaughter was very great that day. 30,000 foot soldiers lost, and the ark was captured. And that must have been devastating. And the wife of Phineas, as she was dying, summed up the seriousness of the situation. She was giving birth to a boy, but she was dying as well. And she called her son Ichabod, saying, the glory of the Lord has departed. No glory. God took them to a crisis point because they were unwilling to go the gentler way, to turn to the Lord, to listen to what he had to say. They went their own way again and again. They refused to humble themselves in repentance before God. Could that be our situation? We know defeat, but we don't go back to the Lord. And we go deeper defeat until God takes us to a crisis point. 
But even then, God were, is working, was working to bring them back to himself. And he works in us to bring him to bring us back to himself. Now, we'll move quickly across chapters five and six. Probably chapters five is quite a well-known one. This is where the Ark of the Covenant, having been captured by the Philistines, is moved from one Philistine town to another. And eventually they said, we don't want it anymore. Send it back. Send it back to the Israelites. And so they send it back to Beth, Beth Shemesh. And some there worship. But others, they look into the ark and they're struck down. And, and, they're so, and the whole thing is so shocking that they asked the men of Kiriath Jerem to come and take the ark of the government back to, their, to them. And they, this is what they do. Now, Kiriath Jerem is a, t a forested town or was a forested town in the margins of a then Israelite territory right in the margins so we're going to read on now for the good news and this is chapter 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 7 from verse well I'll go from verse 2 it was a long time 20 years in all that the ark remained at Kiriath Jerim and all the people of Israel mourned and sought after the Lord. And Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtaroths and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their Baals and Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel was leader at of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. And when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb, and offered it up as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed, rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point of below Bethgar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it as Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. 
So looking at verse two, now in terms of typology, the Ark of the Covenant is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there the, the Ark was, as we say in, in chapter seven, verse two, 20 years in all, the Ark remained at kiriath Jerim, right on the margins of Israel. And can you imagine as a Christian, 20 years where Jesus is just on the margins of your life, of your fellowship, of your church congregation, 20 years without the Lord being at the center of it all, taking his rightful place in our lives, being on the thrones of our lives. I must say there's been many, many lengthy periods of my life, of my, since I became a Christian, when Jesus has not been at the center, when he's not been on the throne of my life, he's not taken his rightful place. And all the people mourned and sought after the Lord. It was their very defeat that brought them back to God. And it can be our, our defeat that causes us to return to the Lord. If you remember what was said about, uh, Emma was saying about the prodigal son, he came to the end of himself, but then he looked to the world to try to sort out his problems instead of turning back to the Lord. When he was out of money, he went to, 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 um, for a job on a feeding pigs. He, he went even further, further. He, he, ref, he did not turn back to, the, to his father. He did not return to his father at, times, uh, at first. He went to defeat after defeat, but then, then he saw what was needed. He needed to return to his father. And they mourned for all their sins. And this was a godly sorrow. In 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death, or at least self-pity, which maybe can lead to death. But this was godly sorrow. They mourned for their sin and sought the Lord. And this is a picture of brokenness. Yet Samuel still had to speak to them directly, showing them that if they really desired to return to the Lord, they had to put away those idols which they were worshipping. They wanted God, but did they want their idols as well? They had to see that they must serve God and him alone. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, to show us that which is taking God's place in our lives, those idols, those strange gods which are on the throne, uh, on the throne of our lives. And the strangest God of all is self and self-life, one might say. We've got to see those things which are those sins which are hindering our relationship with Jesus and to agree with God that it is sin that lies in our heart and confess the truth about ourselves. And they did confess their sins as they assembled together at Mizpah. And they poured out water before the Lord. 
and water poured out onto the ground outside cannot be scooped back up. And by doing this, they were saying they did not want to go back to their former ways. And they were really, really repentant about it. And there's just a little line there when it says, they confess to the Lord, we have sinned against the Lord. And I can imagine God working in individuals, one being convicted of sin and confessing to the Lord, and then another being convicted and confessing and having a testimony to share. And there's another one hearing the testimony and being convicted of their sin and their life and confessing it to the Lord and sharing fresh testimonies with one another of what the Lord had done, and that's revival, or at least the beginning of a light, revival, and that's the new beginning in people's lives. But at the end of it all, we must see we come to the Lord with our sin, and he deals with it. But as the hymn goes, it is not your tears of repentance or prayers, but the blood that atones for the soul. In verse 9, we see Samuel sacrifices a lamb. And of course, this points to Jesus and his sacrificial work at Calvary, his finished work there, who, who gave himself to deal with our sin, to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse our hearts and to cleanse our minds of the guilt and the shame which comes from the sin as well. And we can have our sin dealt with day by day. What grace that is. And this is, Calvary is the place of our new beginnings. So rather in Jesus, we have our new beginning. We had a new beginning at salvation. But now, today, there can be new beginnings. Each day, new beginnings, as long as we are willing to return to the Lord and to walk with the Lord in repentance and brokenness and praising and seek Jesus and want Jesus at the centre of our lives. Verse 8, and they said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. It was no longer an it. They were no longer back, looking back to former blessings or seeking some kind of signs or wonders or some kind of experience or some other it, not relying on the ark of God, but now they look to the God of the ark. And Samuel prayed for them. He intercessed on their behalf and he cried out to the Lord for them. And this is wonderful that we can intercess with one, for one another. We can just be praying for one another and bringing each other before the Lord in prayer. And there was victory on the battlefield for the Israelites, but it was the Lord's victory, actually. It was the Lord's victory. And for us, we can live in the Lord's victory daily, day by day, for he is always victorious. And that day, Samuel set up a stone which was named Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. No more Ichabod, now 
Ebenezer. And now for a footnote. Those very things that we were doing in our churches, we suddenly, they suddenly transformed. Those things which were good, which are in our lives, they suddenly transformed. And we're doing them with a joy because we know that we're doing them for the Lord. If that's what the Lord has for us, if that's what the Lord wants us to do, we're doing them for the Lord whilst he's at the centre. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Sheila.